Welcome to the last day of Christmas and the first Sunday of 2020. Never thought that I would have that word in my mouth. 2020, it's got such a ring to it. We are in the future. Anybody guess what this is? Would it help if you imagined, (laughs) would it help if you imagined 12 of them? It is indeed a partridge in a pear tree. And here as we wrap up Christmas, it seems like so much. I mean, can you imagine if somebody actually delivered on the song, it would fill this entire room. How many lords are leaping by the end of it? It is so much that we have been given. Not just all the boxes that we're putting away now in the recycling, but so much we've been given for our adult Christmas too. The adult Christmas we've been talking about all Advent, this coming of Christ into our lives and our world, this gift which is you, repackaged, unwrapped with delight, a new you made by God. Today, with Epiphany, we celebrate God, the revelation of Jesus as God's child. The recognition of Jesus as God's child. In particular, by the kings from afar, by the magi from the east. And as, the, as was mentioned earlier, the worship materials that we're using today really challenge us to recognize that we cannot go back the way we came. Or at least, we dare not. It's not like the Magi couldn't have gone back via Jerusalem, but they were wise enough, it's right there in the name, to heed their dream. And so they dared not. Do we recognize that we have been irrevocably changed? Do we acknowledge That Christ has come, that we are newly created, that the world is not the same as it once was. And what happens if we don't? These passages we read today, arise, shine, make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. And the dream of the Magi, leaving their country by another road. All of them imply a or else. Right? Isn't there a hidden threat in all of them? What happens if you don't? What happens if we go on after Christmas as though Christmas never happened? What happens if we let January do January's job and drag us down just in preparation for February? Isn't there a little bit of an implicit or else in all of these. Does God threaten us with Jesus? Well, kind of, but really not, but kind of a little bit. Let me put it this way. You're driving home late at night. Are your headlights threatening you? I mean, you turn on your headlights or else, right? There will be dire consequences for keeping the light switched off. But it's not like the headlights are somehow putting a gun to your head. 
They're trying to help you out here. It's a dark and dangerous road. And the lights are the only way you're going to keep on it. Christ is the light of the world. And as we, all of us, have seen in our lives, it is dangerous to charge ahead without that light. When you switch off empathy, when you switch off love, you can still move forward in this life. You can do lots of great things. You can charge ahead down that road plenty fast. But you are barreling blind. And any peace and goodness, any smooth sailing that you have is likely only the result of the inertia that kept you going on that path for a while and some sheer dumb luck, and it's not going to last. Today, we celebrate Epiphany, Three Kings Day, because supposedly it took the kings a while to get there. This is the 12th day of Christmas, 12 days after Jesus' birth, and so we figure now's a a good time to throw a big old parade. These Christmas parades are some of my favorite. You take Jesus out of the home, out of the shopping mall, and into the streets, revealed to all the world. It's a wonderful tradition. And these kings, as I like to remind you every year, were neither three nor kings. We think that there were three because there were three gifts, so people decided there must have been three gift givers, but nowhere in the Gospels does it actually say that there were three of them. And they weren't precisely kings. They were magi, priests of the Zoroastrian religion, fire worshippers who believed in the light conquering the dark. Yes, sir. Epiphany Sunday is the one Sunday, well, so far on my track record at least, that I am guaranteed to talk about Persia. I'm guaranteed to talk about Iran, as they prefer to be called. But this Sunday, I'm not the only one. I know that about half of us here are news junkies and the other half don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. So a brief recap so that we're all on the same page. There's a tit-for-tat heating up with Iran right now. Iran who still claims the culture, language, and heritage of Persia of old. The attacks on U.S. contractors, the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, have been answered by an assassination by drone strike of General Soleimani, arguably the second most powerful person in Iran until he was killed, and four others, four Iraqis, one of whom is another one of these people regarded by some as a war hero and by others as a war criminal. Escalation. On the news websites, CNN, BBC, Fox, they're speculating on another war in the Middle East, on the U.S. getting involved in another drawn-out anti-insurgency, counter-terrorist conflict. In less respected and measured corners of the Internet, people are cracking jokes about World War III. 
about the generation of kids raised on Minecraft and Fortnite facing the draft. Kids these days have some pretty dark humor. And I'm sorry to say, in Iran and Iraq, nobody's finding it very funny. The thing is, what the larger news organizations appear to have forgotten and the cynical dark corners of the Internet remember was the news just a few days before this assassination took place. The news from the last four days of 2019, December 27 to 31, the news that the militaries of Iran, Russia and China were doing joint naval exercises in the Gulf of Oman. News that makes all of this tit-for-tat spiraling upward of conflict in Iran look a lot less like another counterinsurgency campaign coming and a lot more like a conventional conflict between global powers, the likes of which we haven't seen since the Second World War. What happens when you turn off the headlights? What happens when you switch off Christ's love and Christ-like empathy? We have a looming shooting war with Tehran, an ongoing trade war with Beijing, and an interminable political clash with Moscow. And they're conducting joint military exercises, these three. Last year, at Epiphany, when we were having a new Congress being sworn in, I asked that we together as a body pray for wisdom for our leaders. That we read Psalm 72, which, if I could paraphrase, goes, please, please, please make the king be decent. And apply it to our own rulers, calling them to be as they could be, servants of God who defend the cause of the poor, give deliverance to the needy, and crush the oppressor. Today, I'm asking that we offer those prayers for the leaders of other countries. Countries whose people have every reason to be angry afraid, and insulted. Countries who include thousands full of the desire for revenge. Thousands who feel that there can be no solution, no path but bloodshed. That there must be, that someone must pay for the insult that has been waged against them. Countries that I also believe to the bottom of my boots see the Christ light sometimes. Know God's action all the time. Feel the healing power of faithful love which is needed now more than ever. This is the map the road taken 
probably more or less exactly, by the Magi as they traveled west. From the center of their religion and their state in Persepolis, Iran, right past Baghdad, where both the embassy attack and the airstrike that retaliated it took place this week, to Bethlehem in Judea, not the least of the cities of Judah. It's almost certain that it took them much less time and effort to make that journey than it would take anyone trying to do it on foot today. Can you imagine trying to get through those borders? And yet this is not the road that they would have taken back. Going back from Bethlehem east without going through Jerusalem is actually quite a trick. All roads would have gone north or south from Bethlehem. Jerusalem is the pass. It is, in fact, holds the trade routes. It's why empire after empire wants to take Jerusalem. It is on the king's road that controls all trade between, in some cases, three continents. Europe, Asia, and Africa. And to avoid it is quite a trick. Today, there exists no road that just skirts along the bottom of the Red Sea, or at least Google Maps doesn't know about it. So perhaps they wouldn't have had to go all the way down to Eilat there on the Arabian Gulf. But maybe they did. It's a desert there. Roads are few and far between and usually only going directly from point A to B. If you were looking to go east to go back to Persia, you would never swing south of the Dead Sea. Unless you were really, really sure you had to. It's expensive. It's difficult. It's slow and it's costly sometimes to heed the dreams of God. To believe what you see in the light of Christ's light and to avoid the obstacle it warns you of in the road. We who are in this church, who have heard God's word expressed in our lives by the presence of the one who loves us, by the presence of Jesus who binds us together, we who have been called by Paul God's plan to share this divine revelation with the governments of the world, we can see danger coming if the world is dead set on staying on this path. We've got our high beams flicked on, at least momentarily. We can see the obstruction ahead. It will be difficult, expensive, perhaps time-consuming, perhaps even dangerous to swerve suddenly to avoid this collision to avoid this coming disaster. But I tell you, all of that expense and danger are nothing compared to the costs of plowing ahead blindly 
shutting off our empathy for other people in other countries and just getting on with it. So I ask today that you pray with me for peace. Pray that all of this cynical joking and talking, all of these military exercises, all of this tit for tat is for nothing. A blip on the radar and we're back to talking about celebrity gossip tomorrow. Pray that the fire of love that I know is Christ's voice in the heart of every leader, no matter how delusional, that that fire can illuminate just enough of the path ahead that they can recognize for their own good. They need to pump the brakes, swerve a little, listen. There are people who today, in this very hour, as we sit here, are checking over their military options. People who are listing and counting their weapons and soldiers, their resources for war. People who are making judgment calls today, right now. Let us pray for them. That Christ may come into their hearts as fully as I hope Christ came into all of yours on sometime this Christmas season. To fill them with light and lightness. To ease the burden of believing that they must always have blood for blood. To let them know that they are free. They are free to choose to do the right thing, to do the peaceful thing. That they are freed from the burdens of the past. That it is not on them to wreak bloody vengeance. But that they can step back. Step away and avoid the oncoming crash. Let us pray that some corner of each of these leaders remembers the baby born in a barn in Bethlehem. King of the Jews, King of the nations, and King of the world. Lord God Almighty, banish our fear. Banish the fear of those who believe themselves under attack on this side of the ocean and on the other. Not letting that fear drive them to commit more violence, to return harm for the harm done, or rather, let them live in your joy, in your peace, knowing that whatever catastrophe might befall them, might befall us, it is better than letting the dark and the hate take over our hearts. Lord, let Christmas stand now as a reminder, as a dream a vision in all of their minds that they dare not go back by that old road. Amen.